Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. Good morning. From my sermon last week, I hope you'll remember that with Advent, we began a new church year, and that this year would immerse us not in the Gospel of Luke, but rather in the Gospel of Matthew. Well, that was short-lived, because today, if you noticed, we find ourselves dropped instead into John's account, John's account of the good news, which is fine when we notice that John is telling us today his remembrance, his retelling of the same huge event we heard in the Gospel of Matthew last week, that was the baptism of Jesus, another gospel testifying to this important occurrence. So then let us remember again this week the moment when Jesus revealed his nature as fully human and God revealed Jesus' nature as fully divine. John also gives us a bonus today, a glimpse of those first few folks drawn to follow Jesus of Nazareth. Where are you staying asked Andrew, tagging along. Come and see, says Jesus. I've always wondered where Jesus was staying. The Holiday Inn? We'll never know. We don't really need to, I guess. So Andrew and James follow, and then Andrew's brother Simon comes. Jesus is interested and calls him Cephas, which translates to our beloved Peter. Origin stories are awesome. Yes? Here today we witness the beginnings of a wonderful, inspiring, and centuries-long procession of individuals, men and women, just like you, just like me, drawn toward following Jesus Christ our Lord. Faithful Christians. That brings us to our epistle today, and to a unique and particular follower of Jesus Christ named Paul. The Apostle Paul, one of the most influential leaders of the early Christian church, Paul, who played a crucial role in spreading the gospel to non-Jews throughout the first century, whose missionary journeys took him all throughout the massive empire of Rome. Paul, who was a church planter, starting more than a dozen churches. Paul, who was also a prolific writer, the author of 13 books in the Bible, many more than any other biblical writer. Paul is generally considered one of the most influential people in history, certainly as a shaper of Western civilization. Some argue that Paul has had a greater impact on the world's religious landscape than any other person besides Jesus himself. This man, Paul, ironically, who began as an enemy of the faith, Saul the Pharisee, who for years made it his his passion, his professional business, doing everything he could as brutally as possible to put the early Christian church out of business. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, Paul will say later in 1 Corinthians, because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Turns out that God took this seemingly terrible human being and transformed him and then recruited him. So, my friends, if you ever have a moment of doubt that God might not have a place for you, for each of us, despite our messiness, 
despite our brokenness, despite our shame and our shortcomings, look no further than Paul. Transformed, following his call as a faithful Christian. I mentioned earlier that Paul wrote 13 books of the Bible. They were all of them generally letters, check-ins, follow-ups to the churches that he'd already planted along the way. Paul wanted to stay in touch in places like Rome, Philippi, Galatia, Ephesus, Colossia. Without exception, all of these planted churches needed some reminders, some theological sharpening, some gentle encouragement, and at times, some flat-out admonishment. So today, we hear the first nine verses of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the church in Corinth, which, by the way, was a total mess. 2,000 years ago, the city of Corinth sat on a natural land bridge, also known and difficult to say as an isthmus in southern Greece. This land bridge was just under four miles long, basically the length of Wrightsville Beach. But it separated the Adriatic Sea and the Aegean Sea. So imagine that the north side had the Adriatic Sea and the south side was connected to the Aegean Sea, so we have the Wrightsville Isthmus instead of island. And any time that cargo needed to be moved from one sea to another, it had to be unloaded, say at Shell Island Resort, and moved by land all the way across the isthmus to, say, the Coast Guard station, and then loaded onto another boat. That was a lot. The only way to get cargo from one sea to the other. You can see then why Corinth was busy, affluent, growing, a very bustling city with fashion and commerce, entertainment and sports, education, and also all of the seedier and darker sides of a transient port city. There was a saying, what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. (laughs) That wasn't really a saying. I'm just seeing if you're still with me at this point. In 1898, that isthmus finally became a canal, so the once thriving city of Corinth was forever changed. That's a lot of geography. Today we hear in these first few verses the softest, the most gentle part of Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. His traditional and warm embrace of fellow Christians who are, in his words, sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy Now, as we'll see in the coming weeks of the lectionary, Paul will go on in his letter to deeply grieve, to scold, really then to roast those Corinthians for losing their way, for their selfish and unholy relationships, their wayward worship practices, their internal strife, and their embrace of the darker side of the local culture, just to name a few things. The thing was, to Paul, the Corinthians were not lacking for knowledge, They weren't low on spiritual gifts. Paul will remind them bluntly that the Spirit had equipped them with everything they needed to honor God and to bless their neighbors. They had been enriched in him, in speech, and in knowledge of every kind. So their messy behavior didn't come from not having spiritual gifts from God, but instead from their outright failure to remember, to recognize, to celebrate, and then to devoutly use the gifts with which God had graced them. Perhaps that's a takeaway for you, for me, for all of us here at St. James Parish. You got it in you, says Paul, to fix your situation. Wake up and remember, 
You're not alone. Quote, God will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not to the middle, not to when you get tired or when you get sad or fearful, to the end. So the centuries-long procession of human beings I mentioned earlier, starting with Andrew and James and Peter, all the way up to you and me, at times get distracted. Sometimes we even make a mess of things. Wonderfully, that's why we have Scripture. That's why we gather together. That's why we support and hold one another accountable and remember what we have been taught by Jesus. Yes, you and me, here in our very own affluent, growing, very bustling city with fashion and commerce and entertainment and sports and education and, ah, yes, some of the seedier and darker sides of a transient port city. Paul wrote this letter to us as well. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, every place, Paul's letter then to the church in Wilmington. Jesus has called us. Jesus gathers us. Jesus equips us. Jesus enriches us. And we will succeed and at times fail. And in our next moments and in our worst moments, we can trust that God will keep God's promises. So then we gather with hope, hope that we can continue to accept our call as faithful followers, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.